Welcome to episode 29 of Through the Noise with me, Alex Banks. Now, today I'm thrilled to welcome Eric Tarzinski. Now, Eric is the founder and managing partner at Contrary, a venture fund that identifies and invests in the world's top talent. They've backed some of the fastest growing startups in the world, including the likes of Ramp, Andrill, and Zepto. And Contrary's LPs include founders of Tesla, Reddit, Facebook, Airbnb, and many more iconic companies. Now, Eric, I've heard many wonderful things from both Kyle and Francis over at Contrary, so thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to chat. Awesome. How about we kick things off? Um, I'm really interested to know how you first made your way into the world of startups and investing. Yeah, so... um... So it, 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 it was kind of an unorthodox journey in the, in the sense of I, I, I grew up in, in New Jersey, uh, went to school kind of in, 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 in Boston, but, but really kind of grew up in this, this essentially for all intents and purposes, a, a kind of like a farm town, right? So, uh, you know, my, my dad has worked at a roofing manufacturing company for 45 years uh and and uh and, and so kind of tech just just really wasn't a part of uh you know my, my my childhood in any meaningful sense but you know i think kind of when i when i got to to university and had a number of friends that were a couple of years older than me that were kind of you know going down that track and so you know i i, I kind of went to university thinking that i wanted to do what was you know, very popular a decade plus ago, which was, you know, go, go work for Goldman, uh, do something, you know, to be a trader or whatever, whatever it might've been. Right. And so that was kind of the path that I thought I wanted to go down. Um, did, a, a an internship kind of, you know, in, in, in college and, and very quickly realized that, you know, everything that I thought that I might've wanted to do was, was no longer really the case. And so kind of started following my friends, you know, down this this more entrepreneurial path, and so ended up starting a payments company uh, in Boston uh, about a decade ago. And it, it's funny there were there were two companies basically doing payments, kind of full service uh, payments for full service restaurants uh, in, in Boston at the same time. Uh, they were the same exact stage. One was our company called Check It, and the other was this little company called Toast. Uh, <laughs> Toast has it's become. As you know, a ten billion dollar plus company, right? And 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 kind of our company no, has long since stopped existing. But uh, but I think that was really where I caught the bug, right? And I I kind of you know really found what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, which was which is build things. And so and kind of graduated and and kind of shortly thereafter moved out to San Francisco. Uh, during I think what was very much kind of the uh, the, the golden age of, of kind of the Bay Area, um, so joined a, a startup called Camcord as an early employee. Um, they ultimately ended up getting bought by Lyft, uh, and, and then and then kind of took a took a year off, and uh, you know, knew that I wanted to spend the next decade plus of my life building something, and and and, and so you know, kind of was toying with a variety of startup ideas, um, but had 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 the idea for what became contrary um, while I was at university, actually, it was it was really kind of stemming from this this notion that I was consistently finding myself around so many super talented people, I think many of whom I thought would go on and do exceptional things. Uh, but kind of when you when you took us back, you know, 
that's largely happened over the past decade, right? These are people who have now started unicorns, uh, you know, kind of become GPs of great venture funds, done all these things. And yet nobody in their earliest days was doing anything in a systematic way to kind of identify and capture that talent specifically. And so started thinking that there was an opportunity here to build one of the best venture firms of our generation focused on that insight uh, that, that nobody else was really kind of capturing. And so, uh, you know, it, it's funny, basically all the ideas, like I said, were, were startup ideas. And uh, there was this one kind of touch in the back of my mind that ultimately became contrary, but just was convinced that, you know, this was something that would exist, that somebody would do. Um, and, and so kind of jumped in and, and, and been, you know, over five years now and, and haven't looked back. So. I love that story. And I did read somewhere on Forbes, Eric, that you took on $50,000 of debt to get contrary off the ground, sleeping in the back yeah. seat of a rental car, you know, friends' couches. I'd, I'd love to get a little bit, little bit deeper into that backstory yeah, to yeah. ultimately get the show on the road. Sure. Well, so, you know, I think once I decided that I wanted to build what became contrary, you know, it, 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 the, the, the immediate next steps become, okay, well, you know, kind of how do you actually um, kind of prove that you've built a little bit of something, right? And I think this is kind of the, 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 the strange nuance between building a startup and building a fund, right? Is when you're building a fund, you literally don't exist until LPs, docs, and wire you your first money, right? Whereas with a startup, you can just build, Right. And, and, and you're kind of under no pretense that, you know, you know, yes, it would be nice. And yes, it would be an accelerant to, to you know, raise your seed round and have some capital in the bank, things like that. But for the most part, you know, if it's just you and a friend or you and two others, you know, you can go and build your product and, and get it out there in the world, essentially for as close to free as, as, as possible. Right. Um, Whereas with a fund, it's just not the case. So with a fund, you don't exist until that person kind of wires you that your first money. And so, you know, uh, I was a pretty new grad at that point, right? Um, and, and and frankly, kind of come from, a, a, you know, kind of, as I mentioned, like a, a solidly middle class family. And, uh, and so throughout the entire contrary journey, there has been no... Uh, kind of proverbial like friends and family style capital. Uh, it's just not kind of the, the, the background that I come from. Um, and so you need to kind of hustle and, and, and run around and, and kind of make it happen. And so, so for, in the beginning of Contrary, um, you know, we spent, uh, we, we still spend quite a bit of time at universities, but, but, but we spent even more time at, at universities in the early days of Contrary. And so I said, look, you know, in order for me to even prove that, I have something built here and that, and that, you know, somebody with, with no reputation is just, you know, not kind of total smoke and mirrors, you know, I need to go out there and I need to identify, uh, you know, people that I thought were kind of very sharp, entrepreneurial, talented across, you know, various kind of university campuses and kind of set up that initial infrastructure. And once that initial infrastructure around kind of helping us identify exceptionally talented individuals is set up, then I can kind of use that as a springboard to go, you know, start pitching or, you know, cold emailing LPs or, or, or whatever might needed to kind of be done to, to get this thing off the ground and raise a little bit of capital. And so that's kind of what we did in the, in the, in the early days. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it was, um, 
it 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 was a a, a brutal time in retrospect, right? I I did. I mean, I took tens of thousands of dollars, kind of of of, of loans off the ground. Um, you know, yes, there were several nights where I was kind of you know sleeping in the back seat of this rental car, right? As I was kind of crisscrossing the country, and so it's it's certainly been you know, an unorthodox journey. I, I think most venture funds, I mean, I, I can't think of, uh, maybe there are one or two other venture funds that have started that way, but uh, it, it, it's been a journey for sure. Yeah. And I think it speaks to, you know, the fact that, look, there's, at the end of the day, there's, there's not really, there, there, there are more likely ways to start a venture fund. Uh, but I think if you have enough energy and, and hustle, uh, and anything's possible. So. Well, an unorthodox journey leads to some of the greatest stories, Eric, and I think contrary is no exception there. I do want to know some of your biggest takeaways, I guess, from your early career that you've now taken across to building contrary and the sphere of investing. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think kind of some of the biggest learnings from the early days and kind of the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journey at large. Um, I mean, there's there's so many, right? And, and and I think even today, I find myself learning every single day. But but I I think kind of a a couple in 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 the early days of the journey were really I think number one when it comes to fundraising, finding people who are giving you money for some other reason than trying to make a financial return right so i think when 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 you're in the early days of building something uh, i think a fund in particular more so than a startup um you know historically or typically people invest in funds to generate a return right whereas when you're investing in a startup you know vcs by definition have a very high loss ratio, right? Uh, depends on the stage, right? But but at seed, you know, it's possible that that VCs expect fully half of their companies to go to zero, right? And so that risk tolerance is just dramatically higher. And so, you know, I I, I kind of will always remember having this conversation with with, with Emmett Shears, the one of the founders of Twitch, and he said, "Look, like you know, I I view this and treat this as a as a seed stage investment opportunity, like right? I I think what you're doing is." Is really interesting. I think if it works, it could be very successful, but I expect it to go to zero, right? And so when, when you're in the early days of building a fund, that kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of belief and, 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 and willingness to have something kind of go to zero, I actually think is really important because uh, I think it unlocks access to a totally different subset of manager, one who you know, might not have the the uh, the prestige or the brand or the track record or whatever it is, but might have some really interesting and kind of original ideas. And so uh, that that was a huge unlock in in the early days. Was basically finding people who emotionally resonated with with what we were building at um, at, 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 at contrary. So there there are many others, but I think that that's one that's top of mind because I think it's you know obviously raising capital at the end of the day is 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 really the only thing that matters uh, to kind of get a fund off the ground. And, and, and I think it's an important insight. You can't be selling, you know, your, your kind of returns. You have to be selling the dream just like, you know, a, a seed stage startup founder in many ways. It's all about that individual persona, their story and their product, right? What they are bringing to the table rather than just those, those financial metrics there, Eric. I'm 100%. Guessing- 
Yeah, no, and I think going from that, you, you mentioned this willingness to go to zero, right? I'd love to tap in a little bit more to what attracts you most to early stage investing. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think what's most attractive to me about early stage investing is it's just the people at the end of the day, right? And, and maybe that sounds cliche, um, but when it, when, it, when you kind of really boil it down, I think what gives me the most energy from from contrary at large are the individuals, right? Are, are the idea the idea that you know one individual with enough grit and and hustle and and and, and smarts can build over over a decade long period this really enduring institution, right? Um, and I, I think there's something special about the kind of investing in and around the company formation stage uh, that, that I just get tremendous energy from. I, I think kind of some, seeing, seeing something created out of nothing uh, and doing that time and time and time again, um, you know, look, it, I, I think it's one of the best jobs in the world, right? Uh, and, 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 and so I think for me, that's that's really kind of where I, I I get most of my energy is is in you know helping our founders kind of you know wake up every morning and 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 uh, and put their best foot forward and, and do whatever it takes to 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 build kind of one of the best startups of of their generation. So from that point there, you you made Eric in terms of taking founders by the hand and at least giving them that that guiding footprint, so to speak, what would be some of the core traits you look for when looking at founders? Yeah. So, so when we look at founders, you know, I think we're, we're, we're always kind of evolving, um, kind of the, the, the framework and heuristics that, that, that we're looking at it through and kind of the lens that we're looking at things through, but I, I think really it, it, at, the, at the seed stage, it, it comes down to, to a few things, right? I think number one, it comes down to, you know, is this person deeply, deeply knowledgeable and sophisticated about the space that they're building in? So, you know, we're not just going to invest in, uh, you know, Bobby who has an app idea and is doing it because it's cool and everybody else is doing it, right? You know, we're, we're, we're going to invest in you know, someone who, for example, uh, is building a computational biology company and, you know, has been doing this kind of symbio research since they were, you know, a freshman in high school, nearly a decade kind of before starting starting the company that they're building now. Um, and is somebody who just could just run circles around, you know, really anyone uh, in and around this space. And so, I think that's kind of number one is is you need to have that unique insight. You need to have the expertise. You need to have the that the kind of understanding of of, of why you. Uh, I think number two is this is not always the case, but often the case. Somebody who's highly technical. I'd say the vast majority of the founders that we're backing, although not all, um, are highly technical. Uh, and then I think number three and number four is you know is this person really scrappy and 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 kind of are they good at sales? Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, I think, a, a kind of really interesting insight that we've learned over the past kind of three, four, five years is, you know, you could have 
the best startup idea in the world. You could be incredible technologist. You could have, you know, gone to Stanford, studied computer science, uh, built this beautiful piece of technology. But look, if, if you can't also clearly articulate and tell a compelling story and narrative around why this needs to exist in the world and use that to, uh, you know, fundraise, recruit talent to your team, sell to customers, get press, whatever it might be, you're dead in the water. Right. Um, and, 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 and so I think, you know, most human beings probably have zero or one out of the four of those traits. Uh, and, and, and I think the, the kinds of people that we're looking to back often have, I'd say, at least three out of the four of those traits. And then very, very special people, uh, you know, the kinds of folks that maybe we only come across, you know, once every every you know, year or two, um, I think, have, have all of those traits and spades. Characteristics that you you mentioned there, Eric, and at least from going from this blueprint, so to speak, to then the actual action of finding these individuals. How do you go about that process of locating this talent of these founders who are ultimately going to change the um, change change the future? Yeah, well, so 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 we built uh, in in many ways. You know, we think about it as kind of like a you know, a talent identification machine, right? And so, uh, you know, they're, they're, I should say it's, it's, it's certainly just as much an art as it is a science. Um, but, you know, we're, 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 we're looking at a number of different pieces of this puzzle, right? We're, I think number one, uh, Contrary has built a pretty strong brand in, in, in around our, our kind of specific, uh, you know, kind of space. And so uh, we get a lot of top of funnel and, and, and kind of people reaching out to us and, uh, and so that's number one. I think number two um, are, are through our scouts, right? So we work with a couple hundred scouts uh, going as far down as, as kind of very talented folks in, in undergrad and as, as far out as, you know, people many, many years out of school. Uh, and I think the core underlying thread there is that all of these people are top 1% engineers, designers, and product folks themselves. And so they're pretty consistently kind of steering uh, kind of talented peers, colleagues, you know, folks our, our way, uh, you know, and, and then number three is, uh, is, is our software platform. So we built a pretty sophisticated software platform at this point. And, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're tracking folks that we think, um, you know, are, are kind of likely to, to start or join companies over the next couple of years and who themselves are very talented engineers, designers, and product folks. Uh, and, the, and the last piece of that puzzle is, is, is the flywheel that we've built now. You know, we've been doing this for the better part of, of five years. And so we have a community, we call it our fellowship community of, you know, people, about 350 folks that we think are, you know, truly kind of some of the most talented engineers, designers, and product folks in, in, in the world and people that are, you know, very likely to, to, to start companies over the next couple of years. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're very often referring friends and, and, and peers as well. So we, so, you know, I think kind of the, the answer to your question there is it's, it's not just kind of one core channel, right? I think if we're doing our jobs the right way, we've built this flywheel that has, you know, several different inputs um, and ultimately kind of allowing us to map as many of the most talented, you know, kind of likely founders in the world as, 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 as we possibly can. Yeah, I really like that point about the flywheel, Eric. It isn't just one thing, but many things. You know, you're increasing this surface area to find great talent, and I can absolutely get get behind that one. At least with 
one of your recent announcements, you you um, you you recently talked about country research, um, and this is something I definitely want to dive in a little bit more. I first off really want to know why is it important to illuminate the private markets first off for what is usually considered an opaque business. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it's it's a great question. Um, <clears throat> so I think for us. The, the the notion behind launching country research uh, which which as, as you mentioned we we just went live with a few weeks back and was was, was really pretty straightforward I think like you said the the reality is for the vast majority of, of people in the world uh, technology investing is 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 this black box right it's this black box that is gated by by brand and access and network and and all of these things that feel very kind of insular and and, and, and clubby and so I mean look like I I was I was a victim of that myself in the early days as well right uh, you know kind of that that outsider uh, you know kind of mentality and 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 so I think for us when when we thought about launching research. Um, you know, as you know, my, my colleague Kyle joined us, uh, you know, earlier this year over from Index and, uh, and, and you know, we've been talking about, you know, how can we kind of bring a, a level of access and information and knowledge um, about the venture world to a huge cross section of the technology community, right? Whether you're simply just you know, uh, a, a tech enthusiast or an operator, whether you're, you know, uh, even another venture manager, whether you're, you know, a hedge fund or an institutional investor or a journalist, you know, we felt like building a one-stop shop where kind of every offering that you might need when it comes to the private markets, you could get, uh, and you could get a quick but thorough snapshot would be something incredibly powerful. And, 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 and if we did our jobs the right way, it would really serve to put research at the nexus of this, you know, kind of entire community. And, and it was something that nobody had really done before, um, but something when we kind of went out there and talked with folks, you know, everybody kind of without fail, uh, you know, was incredibly excited about something like research. And, and I think from our point of view, yes, you know, obviously, we still have some of our own proprietary research and work that we keep internal, you know, within contrary, but there's no reason why, you know, we can't open up access here to a much larger kind of cross section of, 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 of people. And I think if we do that, that's a good thing for the world. So uh, that, that, that really was kind of the, the, the primary purpose and, and, and mission behind research. And I think our view is that, you know, just being a capital allocator won't be good enough moving forward. I think as as venture just continues to get you know more competitive as as an asset class, uh, you know the bar is going to be raised, and um, and uh, you know uh, as a result of that, anything anything less than uh, exceptionalism won't 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 be good enough. So, and taking a bit of a step back, I guess what would then be the greatest lesson you've learned from investing so far, Eric? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good question. The greatest lesson I've learned from investing so far. Um, I think perhaps the greatest learn is, I mean, there, there are kind of cliche answers like, 
you know, a couple companies will drive all of your returns. And, and I agree that like seeing the, the venture law power dynamics in action um, are, is actually kind of like talking about it as one thing. I think seeing it is another thing that, that is kind of really interesting. But I think for us at Contrary, probably the biggest lesson that, you know, I've, I've, I've always tried to adhere to, but, uh, but I think has been reinforced even more lately is, is, is simply the value of concentration. Right, uh, and so I think for for us as a venture firm, um, since day one, we've had a a, a laser like focus on concentration. Uh, I think when you when you look at the best kind of fund managers in in, in the world, uh, and, and this can be across asset class, right? This can be a hedge fund, a PE venture, you, you name it. Uh, the best way to consistently outperform over long periods of time is through concentration. Uh, and, and, and concentration is actually not all that common in the venture world. And it's not all that common in the venture world because you have to do it right. Uh, and, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not often clear in the early days, which companies will work or not. Um, but I think kind of finding this balance of, of kind of, uh, building a portfolio that allows you to experience as many of the benefits of diversification as possible while also remaining concentrated enough uh, so that, you know, any one of your investments can return the fund and then some uh, has been super, super important for us. And I think something that's allowed us to outperform uh, consistently, uh, you know, over the, the course of our first two or three funds here. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think kind of the value. I, I have basically only become you know more of a believer in concentration over time. I really like that perspective, and I think having consistent concentration, I'd term it over a long period of time, is absolutely a surefire way to outperform. So great answer, Eric. Um, and you did mention that contrary is life's work and now the final project but if you weren't investing at contrary what would you be working on ah yeah fun question um i'm sure i'd just be building a startup <laughs> right. uh you know i i i look i i've, I've always viewed contrary as as a startup in and of itself uh you know i i, I can talk all the time about how we are a startup that just so happens to deploy capital uh, as our as our product, and I feel very strongly about that. I think every everything that we do at Contrary is, is actually oriented around that notion and that belief. Um, and so, 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 yeah, I think to, to answer your question, I'm sure I'd just be be you know the CEO of a startup. So I, I you know, I've, I've caught the entrepreneurial bug at this point, and I, I, I honestly can't see myself doing anything else. So. <laughs> Totally, uh, totally laser vision, Eric. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And I guess you know, coming out of the weeds of investing for a second, when you think of success, who is the first person that comes to mind, and why? Huh. Um, that's a good question. Um, person for me so much as it is an ideal you know i'll give an example i i have you know i have a a, a 
one of my best friends from childhood, um, uh, he works for, um, he works for Pepsi and, you know, he frankly, uh, you know, doesn't work incredibly hard. Uh, and, and, and we've, and we've had conversations about this before and, uh, and, and he just, he just doesn't care. Right. But he has this incredibly fulfilling and rewarding life, um, with, you know, a, 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 a wife and family and friends close by and, uh, you know, uh, a, a child on the way. And, and I think in many ways, like th- there are so many different versions of success right and and i th- i think success is 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 not a it's not always a monetary thing right i i think um it, it can simply be what is the most fulfilling life that you might choose to want to live right and in this case my friend does quite well uh he he, he doesn't work all that hard he's um probably one of the the better paid folks in in, in the entire kind of town that he lives in uh, and he has this incredibly comfortable and for him rewarding and fulfilling life, right? Um, and, and so I think for me, you know, if I kind of ask myself that question, uh, you know, sure, I, I think, you know, with, with contrary, the expectation is to build one of the best firms of our generation. And that's something that, you know, I plan to work on, you know, doggedly. Um, but at the same token, uh, you know, I think it's important to kind of recognize that, you know, life shouldn't pass you by as well, Right. Um, and that, uh, you know, th- there are a lot of things that should happen along the way throughout that journey that, that also need to kind of be relished and, uh, and, and savored. So, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's one specific person for me so much as, as it is an ideal of, of kind of how I want to live my life and, and the handful of things, you know, that I choose to prioritize and, 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 and kind of where to spend time with, with folks that I, I, I really care about. So I think that, that to me is, is, is kind of uh, far more success than perhaps any one individual. Mm, success definitely has context strapped right to the side of it, you know, whether that be, be time, relationships um, from, a, from a capital setting as well. But th- there are so many different parts that success can be defined by. You shouldn't singularly appreciate it just by one thing. I, I think is the the point that I was trying to make there, but no, yeah. really, really like that, like that answer there, Eric. Um, and now, if 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 you can form it, you know, what does your perfect day look like, Eric? <laughs> um, in a, in a work sense, or 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 a, a non work sense. If you could piece together <laughs> the perfect day that you would want to relive for many years to come, what would it consist of? The perfect day. Um, look, I, I I think the perfect day would be. Uh, you know, I I have kind of four or five very close friends from childhood. Uh, I, I think it would be, you know, spending, uh, you know, a, a day with them, uh, you know, probably some, somewhere, somewhere in, in, in the world, uh, just, just catching up with one another and, uh, uh, and, and enjoying kind of all that life has to offer. I, I think, uh, 
yeah, you know, I, I have a handful of friends who I, I met literally when I was in, in, in kindergarten, right? And we've been friends for essentially 30 years already. And uh, um, they're people that mean quite a lot to me. And, and uh, but, but we kind of live all over these days, right? Uh, you know, I'm out here in San Francisco, you know, a couple are back home, a couple are down in the South, right? And so, so we rarely get to see one another. And so uh, I think perhaps more than, you know, uh, almost anything else, uh, uh, aside from obviously kind of close family, uh, you know, I think kind of, uh, uh, I, I value my, my time with, with them. And, and so, yeah, I think it's simply just spending a day with them is, uh, would probably be kind of my, my ideal day. So, uh, yeah. Love it. And I do have a tradition on this podcast where at the end of the show, each guest answers a question that was left by the previous guest. And last week we had Mario Gabriel of The Generalist on, and their question, Eric, is if you could get everyone on earth to read one book, what would it be? Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. Have, have you ever read it? But I've just added it to my reading list, Eric. Okay. <laughs> well, you should you should read it. Uh, you know, I, I I read it when I was in uh, in college, and and, and I, I think kind of the, the core pretext around the book is you know that uh, you know day in and day out, kind of in, in the world that we live in, it's just dominated by negativity, right? Uh, there's negative news cycles and social media and, and all these kinds of things, but when you actually kind of take a step back and look at kind of the forest for the trees, um, life is in, in, and humanity is, is, is kind of on this kind of, uh, undeniable, inexorable uh, kind of march forward of progress. Um, and, and, and life is simply just getting better at an accelerating rate. Uh, and, and sure, none of that is guaranteed to continue, right? Um, but, but I think it was, it was a book that I think fundamentally shaped kind of my view and, and, and I actually think is a reason why, um, I, I, I'm so kind of bullish on, on building things and, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, and, and kind of, you know, doing my part to kind of contribute to that. Um, because the reality is in spite of like the, the, the day to day, uh, life is, is just continuing to get so much better. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great book. You should check it out. You've sold it to me, Eric. I'm sure you sold it to the <laughs> listeners. So I'll be, I'll, I'll be giving that one a, a read. Well, Indeed. we, we have come to the end now, but this has been a lot of fun and, uh, so enjoyed having you on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. This is great. Brilliant. I will cut it there. But Eric, listen, Perfect. I couldn't be more excited about the 